Welcome to episode 42 of the Worldwide Knicks podcast. Omar here alongside Alex and Rafa. Guys, how are we doing tonight? I'm good. good. I'm positive. Yeah, yeah, positive despite the loss, but yeah. we'll get on to that. And the wins. Yeah, Come on. and some wins. Yeah. Uh, so on. we are recording this on Saturday night, which is the day before the Cavs play the Knicks. So that game, by the time this upload, that game will have already happened but we are recording it the night before it happened. So getting right into it, just a quick recap of the this game's action. So Knicks went 2-1, and one, as we all predicted last week. Got to enjoy yes. those wins when we get them, uh, because we're not very good at predicting games, as we learned last year. And <clears throat> uh, so those two wins came against Orlando and uh, one against Charlotte that went to OT, which is a pretty exciting game. And uh, a loss last night, as Alex and Rafa alluded to, uh, against Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. So, you know, a lot to take from those games. Looking good against two kind of mediocre Eastern Conference teams. Hung in there a little bit with with the Bucks. you know, a team that's going to contend for the finals. A team that we all, I think, has Eastern Conference finals minimum floor potential, right? So... Uh, so let's jump right into the takeaways. Alex, uh, what were you uh, looking at this week? Just just like I point out, as soon as we stop betting on games, then we start getting our predictions right, which is, uh, which is just typical. So, but yeah, no, the, um, I mean, it's easy to say, like, we just, we, we beat me- mediocre teams, but we, we look good in those games. And to be honest, looking at the standings, there really isn't that many total gimme teams I don't think in in the league they're right at both con- both conferences. I think uh, pretty much every team you look at has got somebody that could just go off. Quite a few of them have got really good good young cores, like like the Pistons, for instance, and you know even the even the Pacers, who everybody's just writing off. You know Halliburton's playing out his skin. You know Matherin's looking great as well. So. You know, you know. I don't think there's any team that you would say like are, are almost tanking. I mean, maybe the maybe the Spurs, but then you look at the Spurs record, and you know they've got um they've they've got Pop Popovich as a coach. You know what about which, the Lakers, Alex? Oh, and five. Oh, well, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. I wish. Well, what about the Nets? Even you know. Yeah. So yeah, not yeah. much better for sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. But no, no, those games are good, and and that my kind of takeaway from the week was that. You know, really, I really struggled to understand the, the kind of reaction to, especially the Milwaukee game. You know, I mean, going into the week, as you said, you know, we we all predicted that, you know, we weren't expecting anything from that game. We we want to see these, you you want to be competitive against these teams. Um, you want to put away the teams that you know we should be beating, and you know that's exactly what happened this week. And the team was looking good. Um, a lot of playing that Milwaukee game. Um, yeah, we didn't shoot well, and I think, you know, a lot of that is down to their their defense, which is just it's a joy to watch. You know, like I, I really enjoy watching defensive teams, and I really enjoy watching uh, players that can you know can play at both ends. That to me is my my kind of favorite kind of player. I'm not I'm not somebody that just likes to you know watch the dunks and watch the you know guys rack up points and then just giving them away at the other end you know I, I love to see players hustling on both ends and they, they've just got so many players like that that can just just do a bit of everything so yeah I, I really wasn't expected the game went pretty much as I expected there was a there was a stage where the the bucks you know just their drive and kick game you know where they you know they just you know Giannis kind of collapses the, the defense and kicks it out and they've got so many good shooters you know they don't even have they didn't even have Middleton but they, they've still got enough there to get by and they can just kill you like that so yeah just you know I'm just still positive about the week you know that I saw enough in the in the first two games of the week that you know I, I really didn't worry about that game against the Bucks um, even against the Grizzlies as well you know we were competitive you know we were fighting hard uh, we saw plenty of good stuff from 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 a lot of the guys in the roster so yeah, I, I just really don't see see what all the fuss is about. Yeah, Randall didn't have a great game, but you know, it's not going to play every game great. You know, so uh, saw enough from those first two games in the week where you know I'm happy to see him back. You know, and he's he's playing well. So yeah, man, it's uh, the game against Milwaukee. The only 
the only thing I didn't like, well, Brunson didn't have a great game that that happens, and many players didn't have great games in a, in, in spaces in a, all those three uh, games as well. But it, the only thing I didn't like, I didn't like, and I think it's uh, maybe good it happened, so he uh, stops trying to do that. It was uh, trying to see Randall going up to uh, Giannis, like one on one Giannis, like on offense and on deep. On deep, on defense, he has tried to do one on one, okay, but on offense, trying to go at uh, at the one of the best players in the league, if not the best, like that's not our strength. It's right now we don't have a guy that can compete. Well, no team has a guy that can compete one on one with Giannis and win. We can say maybe Kevin Durant can go at him. It's a good fight there, but other than that, teams to beat the Bucks and beat the, one of the best players in the league need to play to their own strength. And Julius Randle going solo. It, or Brunson or RJ or whoever is not our strength. We we saw that from those these cap those last uh, couple of games. So, and we improved a bit with that second unit when they gelled together. Rose quickly, especially had a, a good game. Obi with that step back three was uh what what where they came from. Yeah, it's uh, maybe kind of a reversion at the first half or the first quarter at least. But then we adjusted and we brought the fight a, a bit to, to against the Bucks, so I, I like that we okay it didn't work let's play the style we know it works for us no no point in changing your own strategies there but the rest of the week is uh it i think uh, it showed it we're better than people thought it what we were brunson had an amazing game just uh uh, uh an amazing week this is uh, not, not counting the, the bucks game but he had a, a tremendous week tremendous moves like a guy you can trust with the ball to solve the, the problem with point guard that you had. So, so I'm pretty happy with this week. I'm pre- just these first couple of games is just to see how things work out, how things gel between players, how we develop going forward. So, going toe to toe with the Memphis the, the week before, and going toe to toe right here with the Bucks, the best team, one of the best teams in the East that none of us picked to win anything, by the way. Uh, we're season predictions. Yeah, it's uh. We're a team that we were wanted to be last year, fighting against the big teams and uh, winning against the uh, well smaller team. Uh, let's say smaller teams, but uh, uh, well weaker teams supposedly in the conferences. So it's what we are and what we expected. We were expected to be. Yeah, I mean to that point, it's something we said last week where we want this team to take care of the games they should win. So they they won against Orlando. They beat a undermanned Charlotte team that was missing Terry Rozier then hang with those elite teams. And honestly, you know, with around a minute left, they had a chance to cut it to six. Good look for Brunson, just rims out, you know, and I think you walk away from that game uh, content with that. You know, Giannis was ridiculous because he is ridiculous, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, almost got a triple-double with 30 points scored. And, you know, he's a matchup nightmare. We know that. We knew that going in, you know, he's the type of guy who just, yeah. you know, keeps, keeps coaches up at night. And, and yeah, I mean, overall, we are looking at a team that I, I said it last week. I'll say it again here. It just feels a little bit different. It feels a little bit more sustainable in the sense that even in a loss, you could, there was still some good things to be taken. Like the best player on this team, which right now is, is Jalen Brunson, you know, had a pretty off night. He only, you know, went three for 10 uh, shooting. And, you know, we still were in it late and we still had a chance to, you know, make make something of that game, even after the Bucks went on the it was like an 18 to nothing run in the third quarter. And yeah, so I I left it from it pretty positive. And, the, you know, you had people were like, oh, well, you know, we this is unacceptable. We should have won this game. Uh, like you were saying, Alex, and I'm just like, do you not understand who we're playing? Like we're a team that we our aspiration right now is just to get into the playoffs. Milwaukee's aspiration is to win the whole damn thing. So that's the difference. Like we're not on their level in terms of pecking order in the East. Like they're a top two team in the conference and they probably are a top three or four team in the league. So to be able to hang with them on their home court, sell out crowd, the whole thing is commendable. So no, no shame in that. I'm more so happy that they took care of business against Charlotte and Orlando, because I feel like last year, Orlando especially those are games we lost you know and it's those games that have you five six seven games below 500 when it's all said and done and outside of the play in uh picture but I'll uh I'll go next as far as takeaways go 
for me, it was it was all about uh, Mitchell Robinson. Now he had a tough assignment uh, yesterday where he was kind of covering Giannis here and there, and I feel like he had he contested him pretty well at times, but he is really showing that he is turning into an elite defender. I like I think in the Charlotte game he had six blocks, a key block in overtime. He's rebounding the ball really well, especially on the offensive end, as we kind of knew he would. The mentality he's taken, it's always tough, guys, when somebody gets paid. Like, how are they going to react? Are they just going to kind of mail it in and say, whatever, I got my little bag now, who cares? And he's even talked about it. He's like, well, you know, I want to I want to secure my next bag, which is, I think, such a great outlook to have, you know, even if it's just a soundbite, whatever. But he's showing on the court, you know, he's he's committed. He's he took a shot that wasn't a dunk the other night. I was I was actually shocked. I think Clyde uh, almost <laughs> fell out of his chair. You know, and uh, but yeah, he's he's doing that. You know, he's he's bringing the intensity intensity defensively. Um, he's benefited greatly from Brunson being able to find him in certain spots and set him up for easy dunk plays. And you know, I'm overall pretty happy about uh, what we're seeing from Mitch. You know, five games into the season, um, I guess where are you guys out on on, on that? Yeah, uh, just just to recap a, a conversation we had, uh, I think this morning yesterday that about how I was. Well, it must have been this morning, but the um, I was watching the 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 Bucks broadcast. They were talking about Yanis uh, and just saying how you know he was trying to kind of you know find his jump shot and become a three point shooter and stuff. And it was almost like to to answer his critics, you know, because he gets the disrespect about the fact that he's not so elite because he doesn't have a jump shot and things. And he was trying to prove himself to people, even though he's a you know two time MVP and. and you know, champion and everything, you know, he doesn't have anything to prove to anybody. And he came to that conclusion, I think, in this in, in the summer. And he was just like, look, you know, I'm just gonna be just me, but just try and try and be better all the time. You know, I'm I'm not gonna try and, you know, be 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 the player that everybody wants me to be. You know, I'll just be the best player I can I can be. And he just focused on that. And and I think a little bit like that with Mitch as well that you know, Mitch a, a year or so ago was talking about you know you know why why would why wouldn't they let me shoot threes and he was shoot, you know there was all these videos coming out of him shooting threes and gym empty gyms and stuff, and it it feels like he's finally settled down and he's just happy to kind of be the best player he can be, you know you know he's he's elite at certain things and he, he's he's almost just accepted that now and yes he still needs to get a few post moves and it was great to see that little hook shot he had. Things like that, you know, that's and setting a screen and things. He's still got a, a long way to go. He's got a, he's got a lot of holes in his game, but just forget about the jump shot. You know, just make some three free throws. Be be yourself. Be the great blocker that you are and the rim protector you are. Um, and try and add little things to your game. But yeah, you 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 don't need to be this kind of, you know, Kareem type type player. Do you know, like you can just be you can just be the best kind of version of Mitchell Robinson you can be. So he just seems to be maturing as well. And it's great to see. I did I did really worry about, you know, you know, him getting that kind of big contract and, you know, whether he'd be mature enough to kind of still want to kind of improve his game. And yeah, he's he's come out great this season and and long may it continue. So and I think him and Hartenstein are a great combo as well. So and uh, I think I've said before, but you know, uh, Mitch and Noel were just far too similar. They just you just didn't have that kind of well in this game. You know, Mitch's style is not quite quite working. So, or we can bring on Noel who does exactly the same thing. And and it's like well now Hartenstein, you've got you've got that different option. So I think it's just a it's just a much better tandem the two of them. So yeah, it's a total change of pace, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. total change of pace, which is great to see. And you not have the same player twice, like you said. Yeah, I, I feel with Hartenstein. Just I know I know we're talking about Mitch, but the Hartenstein he's just he's he's just kind of like an all action player. You know, he's 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 everywhere on the court. He's rolling on the floor. He's kind of grabbing rebounds. He's shooting threes. He's you know he's a good passer as well. He just he seems to be always in the game. Whereas some players you can see, oh, like I didn't even realize they were playing sort of thing. But you know, with <laughs> Hartenstein, he's like oh, he seems to be on the like on your screen every single second. You know. <laughs> doing something i have that uh that face he always makes when he gets called for a, a, a yeah. foul that he doesn't agree 
hands up, both hands up in the face, looking at the referee with the, the mouth open. I, 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 I got that on my brain now. It's the, his, uh, <laughs> his image now. But uh, yeah. about Mitch, just uh, saying, just throwing this out there. I am glad we resigned Mitch and didn't let him walk to play uh, Duran and Sims. That's all I'm saying. Because as good as Duran can be or will be, we need guys to be competent now. We we can't be building every single project, uh, well, pro player that comes along. We, we, we just can't be perpetually be rebuilding to see who's the best young player finally. Oh, this guy is no good. No, this guy is good. Just uh, build what you have and try to do something with it. And Mitch is here. Mitch is one of the best offensive rebounders, uh, best offensive rebounder to some in this league. He's a shot blocker. He's a rim protector. You can tell the difference between when teams uh, see that Mitch is on the paint. They don't want to go in the paint because they know they can be uh, blocked or the shot will be altered in some way. But the you were talking, you guys were talking basically about Hartenstein and Mitch, how the, the, there's a different different uh, of pace even with with the team uh, when they're playing, uh, when one is on the floor and the other is. And this ties up perfectly with, with my point this week. It, it's kind of a two-week point, basically, what, what we're seeing. Alex is uh, smiling year to year uh, because this is a, the Tibbs praise uh, section of the podcast. This is just so uh, people don't say I'm the hater, just hating on on everyone. So this is a tip section. Omar, Omar, make make sure you take note of the time of the, the pod so, so we can cut that out and post it to Twitter. Yeah, I have it. It's sixteen minutes. Okay, right. I have okay. it. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's a rare occasion. Uh, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, we were complaining. We complained a lot throughout these Tibbs years that uh, we have a first unit and a second unit, and we never see any type of uh, uh, arrangement where. Uh, quickly was playing with RJ and Randall or uh, except those limited minutes in the fourth quarter or whoever we wanted to play with uh, the, the mix, the mix of the lineups basically. And right now we're seeing a lot of that. We, we can't really tell if we have a, a, a first unit and a second unit, we have the starters and the bench players that come in to help. We seen RJ playing a, uh, uh, Less minutes stay, uh, coming out at a six, six seven-minute mark and letting Brunson, uh, uh, Randall staying out a little bit longer. Then they both come out at RJ's to start with Fournier, for example, or with Mitch playing with the rest of the uh, the kids. Uh, let's call them kids forever. You see mix and matches. There's that play that behind the back, Obi passed to RJ Barrett. Like on the floor, they were, uh, it was, I think it was Artenstein. Quickly, Brunson, uh, RJ, and Obi. Like that's a line you never thought you would have ever because you would you would assume it would be first line, so first unit and second unit. So I'm liking that mix and match. I'm liking that there's he's giving minutes uh, here and there. He's giving minutes to players that are well. You're playing well, you get more minutes. Like we we discussed uh, last week with Cam, for example, that finished the game. And uh, quickly also played more. Rose this night played more because he was working well with, with quickly with a comeback. But throughout the, the the rest of these two games, Rose didn't play as much. Probably just a little bit of load load management management as well. But seeing as he's he wasn't being as impactful as uh well we intended, he played less. So I like that the that mix and match. The, but the best players kind of play. I hope this continues. This trend continues in. Tibbs doesn't go into panic mode if he tried, tried to start losing a few games. So uh, I like that side of the uh, of this new Knicks. Don't know if you guys uh, share my ideas here, my thoughts, my Tibbs praise, basically. No. Hmm. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a, it's an easy one for me. I mean, I, 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 I see it every every week, but yeah, no, I, I do I do love Tibbs, and I think he gets weird. And I know it's just the way things are that, you know, the coach always gets it, you know, if, if the team's not playing well, but he's, he's a great experienced coach. And, and I think there's a little bit of, you know, I think people forget, you know, where we've come from with coaches and things like that. And I think you've got to be really careful that, you know, if you take, if you take Tibbs out, you know, what do you replace him with? 
do, do you tear down that whole culture that he's built? You know, the players are all fighting for him. Yes, you've got to be very careful what you replace him with. There's, we discussed last week about how there's not a great deal of many options out there if you're looking for an experienced coach. If you're looking for a young coach, then then the, there's pitfalls with that. You know, you can get it wrong. You know, there's been a lot of successful young coaches, but there's been a lot that have been, that've been terrible as well. So Tibbs often gets the thing that he's, you know, defensive only coach. He's got no no offensive, uh, no offensive mind, you know, whereas the Knicks are right up there. I think third, you know, points, points per game this season. I know it's a, a very short sample size, but I mean you're already seeing that the difference in the style of play. There's lots of adaptability, lots of different lineups. As you said, Rafa, he's using that a lot more this year. So he's he's showing that he you know he can adapt as a coach, and he's not just stuck with playing his vets and all these kind of all that kind of nonsense arguments. So yeah, I mean I just think he's you know it's just all it is with Tibbs is that he's. You, you know, he's he's just the coach and the coach always gets it. And, you know, I think with Knicks fans, they're always looking for somebody to blame. Even even this week, you know, Randall gets one bad game and he's he's suddenly, you know, getting in the neck from, from everywhere. So it's just like, it's, it's so tiresome sometimes that, you know, it's just that whole kind of looking for the negatives, always looking for the negatives where, you know, Tibbs has, Tibbs has brought so many positive things to New York since he's been here. And... I'd just rather focus on focus on those rather than always kind of nitpicking tiny little things. And, you know, is he the best at doing out-of-bounds plays and stuff like that? It's like, right, yeah, he might not be the best, but he's certainly 100 times better than what we've had before. So I think we've got, you know, we've got other problems to deal with at the minute. So, yeah, I always kind of stick up for him. So, um, but he's not without fault. You know, I will I will say that when, when he is. So, but... Yeah, I think some somebody has to stick up for him, and it always seems to be me. So, um. <laughs> so here here's my thing about Tibbs right now. Everything that Nick fans have criticized him for in this off in the past off season, he's basically corrected. It's like, oh, he plays the vets too much. You know, the there's a really only one quote unquote vet, and that's you know Derek Rose, and he's getting the least minutes of the ten man rotation. Quickly's getting 23 minutes a game. Reddish is almost getting uh, 20 minutes a game. Obi's getting 16 minutes a game. I know some people want that to be higher. Um, we'll get into Obi in a second here, though. Yep. Uh, uh, RJ leads the team in minutes played. You know, and, yeah. you know, Julius is not even close to 40 minutes. He's at 33 a game. So I feel like he. So he answered that. Then everybody's like, "Oh, I hate these hockey lineups that he has, or these bulk rotations, and these is so stubborn. He's never going to adjust." Like there's. There's times where he has quickly and Brunson on the floor, time where he has Rose and Brunson in the backcourt. He'll have, you know, quickly and Rose. I mean, he'll he'll mix and match. He's had Cam Reddish at the four. Yeah, he's done some things that a lot of people were saying that he would never do. So I think he deserves credit for being adaptable and realizing, like, okay, I can manipulate some things here. You know, I can I can play Cam Reddish alongside Isaiah Hartenstein to create a more of a dynamic situation in my front court. You know, I can, I can do these sort of things where I could have RJ running with the bench unit for extended minutes because he thrives in that sort of a energetic lineup type situation. So whereas last year, I feel like he was a lot more rigid. Now, I don't know if that's just him seeing the light. I don't know if that's somebody in his ear saying, you know, switch it up a little bit, but regardless, the results have been pretty good. You know, the team is, you know, has a winning record as of right now. And yeah, I think that, you know, he's not, he's still giving Evan Fournier 25 minutes a night. I feel like that's about right, you know, and uh, he's kind of mixed and matched that and played the hot hand as needed. Um, it should be interesting to see how he reacts when Quentin Grimes comes back from his injury. Uh, that's kind of like the big what if to me about, about Thibodeau. Yeah. But for right now, I feel like he's, He's managed Derrick Rose's minutes well, and he's managed everybody else's minutes well also. So, you know, and for right now, I have uh, nothing but, uh, you know, good things to say about him and the way he's handled this season. Must be the beard. I mean, that's the only explanation. <laughs> Omar, don't, don't forget the, the the other thing that everybody else hits him with was that he can't develop players. And, and I don't think there's one player 
I can't think of one player off the top of my head since he came to New York that has gone backwards. Do you know Kevin Knox? I think <laughs> Kevin Knox did that by himself, to be I'm fair. Joking. But I'm, joking. I'm joking. I don't think he was... <laughs> I mean, I look no that... further than Cam Reddish. This is not this season. Like, yeah. Cam is, he has a full off-season regiment under his belt with Tibbs. Magically, he's uh, he's turned into like an excellent wing defender who could hit, hit some shots when needed and yeah. is creative around the basket. Who knew? You know, and he, he wasn't doing that, you know, last year with the Hawks, for instance, you know. So, yeah, mm-hmm. the, the notion that he doesn't know how to develop talent, I think, was foolish. You know, it was always foolish. I think that's holding Minnesota against him, you know, or – where he was pretty good at developing some of those young players in Chicago in the early Derrick Rose years, you know, outside of Derrick Rose, obviously. And uh, I think the Minnesota thing kind of really messed up his reputation. He was developing young players in Boston, you know, when he was uh, an assistant there as kind of defensive specialist. He developed them in Minnesota. Like they they, got into the playoffs as well. Their best season so far, Carl, was with him. But I'm saying that's the, that's the knock, you know, they're like, Oh, well, you know, look what happened in Minnesota. Like, uh, yeah, it wasn't really that bad. It's just a loaded West. You know, you you mentioned Cam. I don't know who said it uh, last year, but they, they said that Cam, is a, a a guy to play next season so this season that's what's happening so you're basically getting three new players this 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 year it's uh, artenstein brunson who to me is giving uh, uh tibbs uh, wet dreams because he can do stuff because he has a, a point guard not named alec burks who's in a point guard bless his soul mm-hmm. but the only thing and we can't go away without pointing at Tibbs like what gives is this Twitter it's on Twitter all over Twitter you 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 saw it the and you talked about it a, a bit more as well the um, OB minutes situation mm. it's it's not about the 16 minutes a game yeah. it's for example and we we both came to the same conclusion really quick we were talking uh uh this morning just a point for you guys to understand our WhatsApp group. So obviously me and Alex are in the same time zone. So we we, we wake up at normal hours for us, but it's like 4 a.m. for Omar. So he's sleeping. So as soon as he gets up, me and Alex already have our uh, uh, pre-work chat and our morning chat. So he's like like bombarded with 100 messages. Yeah. So I'm sorry for that, by the way. We apologize. Especially after a game. After game dates. Oh, my God. That's, that's <laughs> about 40. <laughs> Okay, but uh, um, moving, we were talking at the WhatsApp group, and we, how many times did, uh, uh, in three years, did Obi Toppin got fourth quarter closing minutes? Probably, uh, if we combine our minutes of the podcast with Obi's, we got zero. That's basically it. We uh, the it was the first game of the season. Cam was having a pretty good game in Memphis, so he played. Oh, uh, Randall fouled out, and Cam came in to play at the four. Yeah, you can understand it. Cam was having a pretty good game. He was uh, he was hot. So let's insert him into the game. This game against the Bucks, Randall was not playing well. He wasn't. It's 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 it is what it is. And Obi was having a pretty good game. Hitting some some shots and three point the three point shot was falling. So if you're trailing, you would want the guy the, the only guy hitting threes to play more. So okay, it's understandable. If Randall's not playing that well, and Obi was, why not give some minutes some of those minutes to closer minutes to 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 Obi? I mean that way you know if okay. We tried him. It, it's against Giannis. We tried him. Okay, not the pers- the perfect one, but he's hot. He's a he's a, a guy that well, at least he would make Giannis run. It's, it's the pace. It would be a different pace. It, why not try try him quickly? Is what was out there. Cam was out there. Sims was out there in crunch time. Was already playing playing that crazy defense he was playing last year. So, is there a a problem we're not seeing with uh, with Obi is uh, obviously we don't, we're not in practices and or anything, but is it just Tibbs doesn't see uh, Obi as a guy who can be trusted, like defensively and uh, well, all of that. It's kind of weird. It's 
first of all, it was because Randall was a, a, a point forward. Now with Brunson, we would think, oh, we could play there because we got Brunson to handle the ball. So it's a weird situation to me. It's a, And I, I'm not an OB defender at all. It's like play better to get minutes. It's to me, but if he when he's playing better, if he's not playing, it's a kind of a weird situation. I mean, I, I feel like I feel like I have to give Obi. I know Obi gets it in the neck a little bit on this pod, and you know he's he's not my favorite player. I, I mean, mainly I mentioned earlier, I love players that play both sides of the ball, and I still tear my hair sometimes watching him defend. And I think that's all it is with the the closing lineup thing. Is that Tibbs? Yeah, he, he trusts him as a player, but he just doesn't trust him in those crunch situations. We want players that can can do do both sides of the ball. That's why Forney doesn't get any 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 minutes either. You know that you just can't trust him at the other end. And I think Obi's Obi's improved his game a lot this summer. It looks like uh, his three point shots looking really nice. Well, at least serviceable. You know, I don't don't want him taking you know. 10 threes a game, you know, but like, you know, he's he's not going to be, the air balls are getting less and less and, you know, he's, he's hitting them at a decent clip. He's, he's hitting them most of them from the corner, which is, is helping his percentages, but, you know, he's, he's, he's looking good from there, you know, and just wanted to see him get some more moves other than the dunks, you know, and I, I want him to, to kind of focus a little bit more on his, on his defensive game. Even just his rebounding game, you know, a guy that athletic and that that kind of that can get up that well, he needs to get more rebounds. And I feel like half, you know, a lot of the time, and it's just like as soon as there's a rebound up there to get, he's he's away, he's away down the court, just looking for that long pass to get his dunk. And uh, he just needs to understand there's more to more to the game than that, you know. And he he is capable. He's showing that, but he he needs he needs to work at it a bit more. And you know, but I'm seeing improvement from him. And I, I say I do love his attitude. I do love his work ethic, and I love the fact as well that although I'm sure he's not particularly happy about the number of minutes he's getting, he doesn't sulk. He doesn't you know he doesn't complain. He's always on the bench. He's always supporting. The guys that are on the court, you never see him kind of throwing a strop at all, and I love that from him, you know. And I love his positivity and everything. I think sometimes he could be a little bit more kind of focused and kind of passionate a little bit. Sometimes he, he seems a little bit kind of too relaxed, too kind of joking about. Sometimes I feel like it, you need to see that little bit of fight in him, a little bit of kind of kind of killer instinct a little bit more. But yeah, I'm 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 liking what I'm seeing, but I think definitely the closing side side of things is just purely because of his defense, which is still is still pretty poor. So, um, all right, uh, Obi Hader has entered the chat. Um, <laughs> I, I tried, I tried, Omar, I tried, I tried to give some balance to this, you know, just so it wouldn't Look, just be. Man, here's the problem: when <laughs> it's a close game in the fourth quarter, it turns into a half court game. We all know that. Yeah. At this point in time, Obi Toppin isn't really a half-court creator. He's a half-court, I'm a spot up in the corner and shoot. And he's done it really well in his limited opportunities for threes. I think he's like almost 50% this year. And he's made, he's gotten better at taking and making the shots. And so everybody's always like, oh, well, you know, if Randall doesn't have it, you got to throw this guy in. Okay, well, if you're throwing him in, what does he do better than Randall right now? outside of dunking the ball and giving you good vibes. Like, he doesn't rebound mm. like Randall does. Oh, my God. He doesn't – he can't get into the post like Randall does. He doesn't defend like Randall does. You can criticize Randall for effort defensively all you want. He is not as much of a liability on the perimeter defense as Obi. And I'm not saying Randall's an all-world defender. He's simply serviceable. But at this moment in time, he's better than Obi is. And so who's a better passer? Randall's the better passer too. So everything outside of catching a dunk on a fast break or catching alley-oop, he is the inferior player. So everybody just kind of wants to give him all these minutes. He had the out. You saw the opportunity came against Memphis. Randall fouls out. Who does he throw in there? He throws in Cam Reddish. That to me is so fucking telling. Like it's so obvious to me that Tibbs just doesn't trust this guy because – at the very least, Cam gives him defensive versatility. 
And he could, they both had shots. You know, we both know that. We've seen Cam hit some threes this year. We've seen Obi hit some threes. But Cam gives him a little bit more versatility defensively to on switches. You know, you guys, we've watched Thibodeau defensive schemes now for two years. He loves to have his players have to be very switchable. I think that's why they signed Hartenstein, because he could kind of switch pretty well on defense. And so to me, it's it's pretty obvious. It's not really like rocket science why he's not getting minutes. It's like when the game breaks down and you need a bucket half court, Randall at least can create if asked to. If asked to. Obviously, you want RJ and you want Brunson leading that charge in the fourth quarter. But if if it's just a situation where Randall has to make something happen, he has shown that he could take that first step, get a mid-range jumper, get to the get to the basket, catch a foul call, whatever the case may be. And Obi right now, where he's at in his career, he's just not there. And he's just not, you know, and you know, the Obi fans can say whatever they want and say how how great he is and oh he just needs the opportunity the opportunity for what to sit in the corner and catch a three and miss i mean like i don't know man i, I just don't see why it's even an argument it's why it doesn't suit being in the starting role as well you know but the game starts you know it's a half court game you know and you know the game doesn't start opening out until after you know after a good few minutes so you know why put in a player that can't you know, isn't a good half court player uh, in the starting lineup, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that side of things as well. I see your guys's points. I, I I understand it, and you guys know I understand it. It just I'm I'm asking this not in a way to set traps, but if we have that player, and well, is is he anything? more right now than a, a a trade asset for us because if you have a guy that you don't trust it's basically because you don't you okay you don't trust in certain parts of the uh, of the game but well those parts of the game are probably the most important parts of the game i know everyone has their role but do you want a guy only to hit breakaway dunks is it is is that it if if that's all he he is, where is he? Well, I mean, he's, he's great. He's getting traded, right? Here's my like, like we kind of said it last week in our like predictions episode or whatever, where where we think that he might he might eventually get traded. Like yeah. you know who else is good in transition? Cam Reddish. So like if that's what you want, like at the end of the day, people would say, well, you know, you got rid of get rid of Randall and give the keys to Obi. Like the age gap is that wide. Randall is three years older. So <laughs> Randall had his breakout season uh, two years ago, right? You know, when, in the COVID year. And so do we think that in one year, Obi Toppin is going to have that kind of a season? Is he on that trajectory? He's just like, it's not like Randall's 35 and Obi's 23. You know, it's not the case. It's a three-year gap, you know, and... I just feel like, yeah, he is a trade piece because people look at him. It's like, oh, he's a, you know, rangy guy. He can hit a three, dunk a little bit, get inside. I'm sure a team will talk themselves into Obi Toppin if he was made available. I guess, Alex, maybe you could have a better answer for this. Do you think he will be made available? Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't see why not. I mean, I think there's a, there's a little bit of pressure in the front office being the fact that, that you know, he was the kind of the first main draft pick when they came into office uh, a little bit so they're, they're almost like well, we've got to kind of got to back that up a little bit and give them the support but one thing about the draft is that everybody's always like oh you know he's your number he was our number eight pick you know he's a top 10 pick and everything i'd just like to to read out the list of previous number eight draft picks <laughs> if you don't mind right oh my god <laughs> so, so, what i'm waiting for your moment you're waiting for your moment to shine go ahead go ahead <laughs> last year was a player that I really, really like, actually, to be fair, uh, Franz Wagner. I really like him. Yeah, uh, then we go yeah. Obi Toppin, Jackson Hayes, Colin Sexton, your man, Colin Sexton. My guy, yeah. <laughs> Frank Nilekina. <laughs> Frank Nilekina, Marquise Chris, Stanley Johnson, Nick Stauskas, Caldwell Pope, Terence Ross, Nick's killer, actually, to be fair, uh, Brandon Knight, uh, Aminu, Jordan Hill, Joe Alexander. Do you know? Why did you have to bring up Jordan Hill? 
Oh my god, you could have you could have <laughs> stopped before I that. Stopped. I know I should have stopped. But you know, you get my point. You know, I, I think some people talk about like, oh, he's the number eight pick as if like he's some kind of guarantee of great, you know, superstardom, yeah. you know, and it's just like, come on, you know, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean anything. You know, we've talked many times about draft picks, about like if you hit on a draft pick, you know, and he becomes, you know, a good rotation piece or even a, even a you know a starting level talent, then you've done well in the draft. You know, the draft is such a such a tough thing to get right, and we need to stop using that as a thing of oh, Tibbs has got to play him 30, 40 minutes a night. Do you know just because he was the number eight pick? You know he's he's doing fine as he is. Do you know he's improving? I know I'm a little bit higher on him than you are, Omar, but you know. You know what he is. What what he is. What he is at the moment is 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 fine for for what Obi Toppin is, as far as I'm concerned. And you know he, he's he's coming off the bench. He's an impact player. He's a high energy player, and he can maybe get the team going when they're in a bit of a slump. You know, and you know that that's that's just kind of what he is. Do you know? And I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Do you know? You know what's so funny about that? He's exactly what everybody says Emmanuel quickly is. Yeah. Spark plug off the bench, you know, yeah. like why is that okay for everybody to say that about quickly? Yeah, which is a is a fair point about quickly right now, you know. No that's here. That's what I was gonna ask. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a fair point about quickly, but we don't use that against against Obi. So it's really just you just hate Julius Randall, right? That's 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 basically what well, it is. It's a little Not bit of that, but you know, just you know, the collective but, I think it's a little bit of that and a little bit of where quickly was drafted as well. That there's there's always oh, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a bit of a yeah. pick that, that you know we we don't expect that much from him. But then again, like I just mentioned, you know, suddenly this number eight pick as if it's some kind of super pick, you know, like as if it's a Look, you know, man, if you're outside the top five, the you know, you're probably a yeah. rotation player. Let's let's just be honest. Donovan Mitchells don't grow on trees, okay? Like it just because Donovan Mitchell became a superstar doesn't yeah. mean that every pick that's like lower lottery is going to become a superstar you know you hope sure. that the, the draft is a gamble man it, there's a reason it's called the lottery you know so exactly and you can't say this enough but yeah. Opie was drafted into a position where everybody thought julius randall would get traded yep yep i can't say this enough julius randall then had the season of his career so far I hope it's just one of them. If he improves again, but he had a season of his career, and well, would you bet on Obi a new project or kind of build with Randall, who's like you said, three years older? So let's build. You hate this word. Uh, let's build a culture. So you have a good player. You pay him for playing good with us. Yeah, yeah, and it's the path they take. As long as Randall's here, and I, and I, I'm not seeing him going anywhere th that fast. Obi's probably getting separated from his sibling uh, Emmanuel quickly. <laughs> That's it, I would it, like to see it, that. By the way, quickly playing without Obi Toppin. I don't know. It would let like a a him. Who's he gonna pass to, Rafa? I don't know, man. Shoot Tam, you know that. You know, it'll be, it'll, it'll, it'll just pass into into thin air. You know, just no, no. You will, you will be gone. You will not never stop shooting. <laughs> hey, man, he, he's gonna take shots. Mm. You know, shooters shoot, Rafa. Remember that. You know, and you quickly lose by that credo. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with Obi. You know, and as the year progresses, it should be interesting to see how Thibodeau utilizes him in the fourth quarters or in not in the fourth quarters. But let's jump into something that's kind of been uh, in the NBA circle recently. So NBA right now is proposing some uh, sort of a measure to combat the luxury tax. And so if for all those who don't know is if you are over the salary cap, you can continue to sign players over the cap as long as you pay a exorbitant fee, you know, which is enough for most small markets to stay under the cap and most markets to say most teams stay under the cap, but you do have teams like the Warriors and the Clippers who have really rich owners and they just want to win and they'll get a player and pay a one, two, three, four hundred million dollar uh, luxury tax bill. In fact, when the Warriors won this past year, uh, Brian Windhorst called it a, a luxury tax uh, championship, basically 
where they only won because they could only get their players because Bob Myers and Joe Lacob were willing to pay the luxury tax. So this new uh, rule would have kind of created an upper spending limit, which I was almost kind of like a hard cap at a certain point, similar to what the NFL does. The players union, of course, is going to reject this vehemently because they want their players to get paid and they don't want there to be limitations around teams giving them as much money as possible. Um, so my question to you guys is, do you think this is good or bad for the league? I think it's good. Uh, I think it's great for the league. I mean, just from a from a competition's perspective, just you know, to kind of level up for these small market teams and um, just just on the just on the Warriors, uh, just quickly, I feel it's a little bit unfair to kind of bash them because just of how many of their you know how many of their players are still from 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 who they drafted. Do you know that like, homegrown? You know, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's just like well, the only reason they're paying like. Steph Curry, fifty million or whatever, is because they drafted him, they developed him, and and he became, you know, the best player in the league for for a while. And you know, it's 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 not as if like they're taking players from all over and and you know, kind of doing what the Heat did, for instance, and kind of building a team that way. You know, they've done it the right way and they've done a great job of it. And yeah, they had the Kevin Durant years and that, but you know he's gone now. So the still the their main core is 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 players that they drafted. So um, I always feel a wee bit sorry for them when they get when they get uh, criticised for 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 that. But they would adapt. Do you know if if there was this luxury tax rule, then they would adapt. So and I, I think it's just good just to keep the keep the the playing field as level as possible. So yeah, I'm all for it. And even if it's to the detriment of the Knicks, you know, because obviously the Knicks are a big market team. And if it's something that, you know, Dolan's never been as, as criticized as he is, you know, he's he's never been shy to kind of, uh, you know, to, to open the wallet. So even if it's to the detriment of the Knicks, I'd just like to see it, you know, just to keep the keep the playing fields as level as possible, as I said. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's, it can only be good for the NBA. I think it should have been done before. Because it's why is the cap there if teams just are just going to? Uh, it's just a way of the NBA, the organization, to get more money out of this. Basically, Adam Silver getting a few more bucks into his uh, well organization. I think it helps uh, all teams to compete. If it's a hard cap, I think it 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 it, it helps a lot. And the players, the the players' association complaining about they wanting more money. Well, that's you have to fight it another way, right? You have to fight it by getting a higher cap salary cap uh, that same conversation you had a few years ago with the lockouts and everything well you probably need more uh the, the salary cap even bigger and looking you guys are mentioning the warriors the, the warriors was the example i mean even if they all drafted the players it's well it's the league rules look at the, the oklahoma the okc okc when they had uh, Durant, Westbrook, Harden, and Ibaka, and Cephalosha, and other, anyone else, they had to choose to stay with three of them. And so they let Harden walk. He wanted a bigger role, but they, they need to let him walk because there's a smaller market team. They don't, they, and they wanted, didn't want to invest all that money, pay that, all that luxury tax. So it has to be a, a, a level field, it has to be a playing field for everyone. Not a, a higher amount to scale to get another title to some teams or the others. So, I agree. I I like this. I I hope it sticks. I hope it goes through. And if the players again, if the players want to get paid the amounts of money they are paid, the mountains and mountains of mountains of money they are paid, well, battle the owners for a bigger cap or bigger uh, tax on the, uh, the the merchandising or whatever. There are other ways of doing this with not being, well, illegal, basically, because this is you're paying because you're doing something that's illegal in the NBA. So, yeah, it's that's basically it's easy. So to the cap point, you know, the new media deals incoming in the next year or two, the cap's going to skyrocket, you yeah. know, and the way I look at it, though, so I guess. Being the resident American on this podcast, I could give an American take here. If the idea is to be hard capped, to be more like the NFL, to create more competition, it's probably a good idea because the NFL is wildly successful in this country. So 
I think that you make small market owners happy by saying, okay, good. I don't have to worry about Steve Ballmer just writing up a check to be able to get a yet another veteran so he could stack the deck to be able to, you know, win in the summer or in the playoffs. And I think it's a good good thing. Is I think there's a compromise here to be had between the the players and the owners. As long as the cap is at a point where player salaries will increase enough and that, you know, the the teams don't jump into luxury tax activity. Uh, I think there's there's a, there is a compromise there. I guess a bigger wonder for me though is how this impacts the way the Knicks do business. We are of course a Knicks podcast. You know, we don't really go into the luxury tax that often ever since you know the Leon Rose regime took took hold here. As a matter of fact, I mean a couple of years ago we were uh, almost at the salary floor, you know, where we had to sign uh, a player or two to to avoid that. And so I wonder if if they institute this, if you know this is good for business or or if this they it changes their strategy in any way. I, I'm kind of curious about that. I guess what are your guys' takes on that? I think one of the one of the reasons we we don't go into luxury taxes because we don't we we didn't uh, resign uh, any of our draft picks, so we didn't have the the opportunity to. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Good point. Uh, to do, we didn't have the opportunity to do what the Warriors did, so um, <laughs> maybe that will come in years to come. Uh, now that you know, RJ's, RJ's kind of um, got that monkey off our back. So just as, wait as until IQ and Obi resign. Oh yeah, Obi Max. Yeah. The um. So yeah, no. As I as I just mentioned, you know, I don't I don't think you know that that it would stop Dolan. You know, letting them go over the over the the in, into the into the tax if if they could. So, I think it I think it could just the way the roster's uh, shaping out with all these young players. I think it could be something that could uh, seriously affect the Knicks going forward. So, uh, it will be in, it will be interesting how how they kind of uh, how they manage that. So, but yeah, I'd still like to see it when you look at it, Fournier's contract, and we I think we've mentioned this before as well. Fournier is the type of contract the Knicks have in order to trade for that star, the star they wanted. So I don't think it would change their plan that that much. Probably they should would add another contract to get that star, if if that's the the goal going forward as well. But you were mentioning uh, Omar that NFL has a hard cap, so does the NHL. Yeah, and you can leagues see... built on parity. Yeah. Yeah, well, and you can see that they have they have star players and big players going all over the place because well, teams need to fit a much bigger roster than the NBA, not the NFL, of course. Add to that player movement around the league that people are oh the big trades never happen anymore, just free agency and or this and that. So that might happen now if the well they have to go when there's cap. If they want the money and players will need to choose if they want the money or if they want the title, it would be different dynamic than what, what we have now. But in terms of the next back, back to getting back to it, I don't think it changes that much, or at least we're in a, a place where we can change the strategy pretty easily. We are not a team like the Warriors who would need to change something. Probably uh, if there was it right now, Draymond Green wouldn't, have passed that uh, uh, that test so so easily, or uh, Ben Simmons would be all right, or Kyrie, for example, the Nets would probably be gone. Uh, it's uh, it would be a different way to do things for for many teams, and the Knicks still have the all well, the the space and the flexibility to go around it. Or uh, if they had a plan in mind, they can still they still have time to go around it. Basically, so I'm not too concerned about how it can hit the Knicks. All right. So speaking of concern. Let's uh, look at the Knicks' upcoming schedule. So four games coming up this week. So starting tomorrow, uh, Knicks are in Cleveland, play the Cavs and Donovan Mitchell. I think Darius Garland will still be out of that game. Then uh, home against Atlanta, who have been uh, doing pretty solid so far this year with DeJounte Murray. At struggling Philly, um, Alex's pick for the finals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, and then uh, at home against Boston to close out the week. So uh, what do you guys uh, think the team will do uh, this week? 
I, I'd love them to go two and two, but I'm going to go one and three. I'm going to be Mr. Pessimistic. Uh, even though I started off the pod talking about the first takeaway from the week was about being positive. So I'm going to counter that and balance that out by uh, being negative with my picks for next week. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think I think we'll struggle this week. Some good teams in there. Mitchell especially has been playing great. So, mm-hmm. although, yeah, and... Um, even with Garland out, so I, th- I think the Cavs are looking good. So, yeah, I'd 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 say, yeah, we'd maybe pick up a game somewhere. But yeah, some good teams in there. So, sorry. I hope hopefully you guys will be be more positive and and kind of uh, finish off the pod on a, a positive note. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's a Knicks podcast. What are you th- What are you thinking? Yeah, that's true. I'll say two and two. I I, I can see us go. Two and two. Uh, I've said this. I've put this out there in the world that this game against Cleveland, Jalen Brunson will go crazy on Donovan Mitchell. I think he will try at least because it's. If you look at at Brunson's perspective, everybody he was signed by the Knicks to play the point guard to play the the this role at the team, and everybody and their mothers were talking about Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks, like completely. Uh, deleting any Brunson uh, mention again. So I would be kind of a, have a chip on my shoulder like, hey, uh, they wanted this guy. Let me show you what I did to him last year. I think he was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if we take that game in Cleveland. The other ones, probably we probably lose to Philly, the struggling Philly, and then beat Boston or something like that. Be totally next at it. Just uh, I believe two and two. I'm going to echo your sentiments there, Rafa. You know, a lot of people are talking about, oh, Donovan Mitchell is going to go off on the Knicks because he did, he got traded to Cleveland instead of New York. I'm like, how about R.J. Barrett going off against Donovan Mitchell because he's almost the guy that that almost landed him in Utah. You know, how about that? Exactly. You know, exactly. maybe he'll have a great game. You know, you, you never know. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, these are all teams that are in the mix of so, the playoffs last year. You know, three made the playoffs. The Cavs made the play-in. You know, so these are the games you want to compete and have. Um, if, if if we went one and three, it wouldn't surprise me. If we went three and one, I I'd be you know I it wouldn't surprise me as much anyway either. But two and two sounds about right. I'm glad you sh- you share uh, Mark Berman's thoughts about that game against uh, the, the Cleveland that RJ Barrett should go off on him. <laughs> I think I think rather rather than coming in with some kind of fire in him, I think he, I think he's just got a, a huge sigh of relief about not having to go to Utah. So. Yeah, yeah. Or, that's or, true. It's like although, yeah. though you you have looked pretty good to be fair. Oh, four um, and two, you know, not bad. Colin yeah. Sexton getting it done over there. Uh-huh. Denny Ainge just Denny Ainge just right, Great just pick. getting the rope ready to hung himself. I wanted to tank. I should have got Obi. <laughs> I could have got Obi. <laughs> <laughs> so before we uh, close out the episode, is one thing I kind of wanted to mention. Uh, if you're a regular on Twitter, uh, you probably noticed that uh, Elon Musk has taken ownership over uh, the social media company. He tweeted the other day, like, the bird is freed, which is, you know, an indication that he's going to have looser content moderation policies on Twitter. And that opened the floodgates for um, a lot of uh, racists and uh, just ignorant people to start spouting off hate speech on the platform the other day. You know, the N-word was used, a bunch of Adolf Hitler memes were shared, uh, and just really hateful stuff. So, obviously, we use Twitter a lot. Um, It is a platform that we use to promote our podcast. It is a platform that we use to engage with other Nick fans, and we're super grateful for every single Nick fan that follows us. I think, uh, Ralph, correct me wrong, we're like over 1,400 followers now. and Probably, yeah. Yeah, and you know we we love every single follower that we have, but we also want everybody to know we have here at Worldwide Nix a zero tolerance policy for anybody who follows us that has any sort of hate speech. You know, we it has happened before. You know, people have tweeted stupid shit, and you know, one of us saw it and uh, immediately block that person, unfollow that person. So, uh, I'm hoping that Twitter sorts its stuff out and gets its content moderation policy in check. But uh, from our perspective, uh, we don't agree with any of that sort of stuff being shared out. You know, we're having fun just talking about this basketball team that we irrationally love for whatever reason after decades of pain. Um, But 
Uh, but yeah, just kind of wanted to get that out there uh, before I do my normal sign off, which plugs our uh, our Twitter page. But you can find us there at WW Next Podcast if you are still on Twitter. Uh, also, if you like our podcast, be sure to subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, so on behalf of Alex and Rafa, Omar here from Worldwide Knicks, checking out, and we will see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.